You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Hi everyone, this is Joe Krause of Jacob Media Partners with an incredible amount of gratitude. I want to thank the WPHT radio listening audience for embracing and listening to a lot of great programming on the weekends right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Shows like Beer, Chips, and Politics, The Labor Show, Good News in Real Estate, and The Lawyer lawyer network then there's my favorites voices of faith with jim brown roadmap to retirement the radio show and the sunday night weekly special women to watch from labor to medical to legal and everywhere in between jacob media is proud to provide this great audience with exceptional programming new in 2022 listen for philly's radio doctor a new medical show that will deliver a ton of high-tech information loving the married guys and a show about, you guessed it, Bitcoin. On behalf of everyone involved with Jacob Media, happy holidays. Oh, I almost forgot. Presented by Ocean Casino and Resort. Go for the live shows. Go for the win. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's so great to be here with all of you on this day after Christmas. And I certainly hope you all enjoyed some rest and some fun with your family and friends. Before I welcome my very special guest this evening, I want to remind you to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of corporate partners, bringing you the latest news and education from their industries. And we continue to be grateful for their sponsorship and the valuable content that they bring to the show each and every week. If you're interested in being a part of the show, feel free to email taylor at womentowatch.net for more information. And don't forget to download the podcast there and sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop on all things women to watch. So now I am very honored to welcome to the show Diana Barnes, who goes by DB and is the chief brand officer and creative director of the global brand Munchkin. DB, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I'm very excited to um, share your story with our listeners. And of course, really uh, grateful for your support as well of the show and and ongoing uh, collaboration that we're going to be doing. Um, So I want to start with your background, obviously, and your uh, growing up in Nashville, Tennessee. I think you might be the very first guest I've ever had who's from Nashville. Um, You were the oldest of three uh, with a stay-at-home mom and dad who uh, worked in finance, your dad. Tell me a little bit about the influence um, mom and dad had on you growing up. Well, I will back up just a bit and say that my mom was stay-at-home until I think around the time I went to college and then she became a lobbyist and my father always worked as a finance investment council, um, professional executive actually. So, um, yes, I was the oldest of three and I was, um, raised Catholic. My family was very Catholic. Um, my mom was one of four. My dad was the youngest of 10. And so, All 14 of them went to Catholic schools. My oldest aunt was a nun. My oldest uncle was a priest. So, um, and my mother eventually became the lobbyist for the Catholic diocese. So there you go. That should say a lot, I guess, about discipline and um, yes, my background. Um, so I would say it was pretty traditional. Um, the, the South in the seventies when I was in school was pretty traditional place. Um, very conservative. And, um, my parents were to back up on my parents. They were childhood sweethearts in their own Catholic, all boys, all girls school. Mm. Um, and they were married for, uh, 45 years. Wow. So, right. Wow. Well, you know, I can envision that because, uh, you know, I too, I always talk about my, let's see, eight, four and four, 16 years of Catholic schooling. Um, and it, and it does leave, you know, some ingrained um, experiences in our life. I know that you had a really wonderful relationship with your dad who instilled a love of language and the written word. Tell me about him. So my father was um, very interesting person and by far probably one of the most inspirational people in my life for sure. Um, he was equal parts right and left brain. I think, um, he loved reading, he loved music, he loved to cook, but you know, he made his living investing millions of dollars in companies funds. So it was pretty interesting, um, dichotomy there. He loved to read, you know, that was his favorite pastime everything from Churchill to Shakespeare to Milton to Faulkner. Um, and so from my, I think my earliest memory of both my parents really is reading to me probably from the age of two up. Um, Mm -hmm. and he was very, uh, determined to make sure that all three of us quote unquote, learn to articulate our thoughts. That was extremely important to him that we could, um, express our point of view and our thoughts, um, at the highest level. I mean, he had a really nice quote, you know, he just said that we live at the level of our language. So he really did not tolerate Mm. words, uh, like, like he didn't like us to say like, he'd said, there's so many beautiful words in English language. Tell me what it is, not what it, what it's like. So, Oh, I love that. I know it's, um, it's a challenge, especially today when that word is very, um, you know, 
frequently used to describe things. Um, mm-hmm. So he was, um, well, I would say my first teacher because he would take every paper that I wrote. I actually ended up being an English major and he would regrade them, you know, after a teacher would already grade it and point out other things that maybe the teacher hadn't seen that I should think about. So maybe wow. that gives you a little insight. Um, yeah. <laughs> would you, you know, it's, I think, um, in, in having met you and, and spoken to you a little bit, you, I do see some of that, um, from your dad that, you know, that focus on the importance of language and the written word in you. And, you know, I would say, and we'll talk about this more a little bit later mm-hmm. in the show, how it parlayed into the work that you're doing today. But I wanted to go back a little bit, you know, talking about Catholic school upbringing. I think it's really interesting that you went to a school that was a little untraditional after um, some years in a regular traditional Catholic school um, where questioning and, you know, kind of speaking up was very welcomed. Talk about the effect that that school in particular had on your ability to ask the tough questions and thrive as a student. Well, to your point earlier, yes, I had a couple of uh, first starts uh, in schools that really weren't the ethos necessarily for me to thrive in. And And I do think that my parents certainly recognize that now that not one size fits all in an, in an education for, for children, especially the three of us who were all very different. And so the environments that worked for my sister and brother, which were pretty tightly, um, you know, they're conformist schools for sure. And they worked great, but for me, it, it was a little bit different. And, um, I would say I was on a different frequency most of my life for them. So after a couple of stops in different grammar schools, I finally landed miraculously on a wonderful um, co-ed high school in metropolitan Nashville, which attracted kids from all over the city. And it was extremely diverse. And they had, for the first time in my life, uh, lay teachers as well as nuns who were from, I would say, a more progressive order than Mm. some of the other ones that I had Uh, been in school with. So there were priests and nuns and lots of lay teachers. And there was no question off the table in terms of religion or relationships or making sense of doctrine. So that was so interesting and such a relief for me. And to be involved with students that weren't just from one section of my town, that was really important. I think, you know, it taught me a lot about what was in my future. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you seem to have a very innate curiosity and desire to want to learn and speak to people from different backgrounds, not be with um, a group that all looked and, and spoke the same as you. That's true. It's a little boring and limiting for me. And so I think I just knew that maybe inherently at a, at a younger age without even knowing how to express it. So... That was a beautiful experience for me. High school was wonderful. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, Listen, we're going to go into our first break. When we come back, I'm going to share a quote, something that I love that I think speaks really um, personally to um, who you are. Stay with us for our watch team. And I will be back with D.B. Barnes, Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director of Munchkin. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. 
Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. We've enjoyed Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, and Christmas, and as we're ready to welcome a new year, let's talk about ways to eat and drink safely. The average weight gain over the holidays is only about one to two pounds, but if you retain it and gain the same one to two pounds each year, it can accumulate. For starters, do not try to diet during this time. The magic word, portion. It's not what you eat, but how much. The average calorie count for a Thanksgiving dinner can be as high as 3,500 calories with 200 grams of fat in one sitting. 3,500 calories equals one pound of weight gain. So don't starve or fast all day. Eat a small breakfast and lunch that include protein, fiber, like salad, fruit and cottage cheese, nuts, or yogurt. Save your carbs for dinner. Eat one favorite food and save the rest for leftovers. And eat slowly. It takes 20 minutes to feel full. Chat with your family or friends between bites. Think about your choices. Dark turkey and gravy has almost twice the calories as white meat. Choose stuffing, potatoes on other days, or have both, but in smaller amounts. Calories in holiday drinks? Light beer can be 100 calories, regular up to 230. Wine, 150. Rum and Coke, 220. Eggnog, 343. And when you're the chef, use fat-free sour cream or Greek yogurt in your dips. Steam vegetables and add herbs or lemon, spritz with olive oil. Fat-free chicken broth. Use evaporated skim milk and whip it for sauces, casseroles, and pies. Cookies, cakes, and breads use applesauce or pureed fruit rather than oil. And with drinking, remember the word moderation. Drink water in between alcoholic beverages to stay hydrated and slow your intake. Low-calorie mixers like tonic and diet soda. Low-fat milk in the eggnog. And remember, most beers and flavored vodka contain gluten. Offer guests non-alcoholic beverages as well. Get a designated driver. Choose the number of drinks ahead of time and stick to it. Divas, remember the reason we're celebrating is the people. Don't become a drunk driving statistic. Cheers. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined this evening by D.B. Barnes. And again, D.B. is the Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director for Munchkin. Munchkin is also one of our brand new uh, corporate partners. And D.B. is going to be doing a global marketing segment with us. So she's going to be really bringing us some um, valuable information um, about the company and the work that she's doing. I I wanted to start this segment off, D.B., with a quote. Um, You said, I've always been keenly aware of my environment and the elements that shape it. How has this heightened sense of things helped you in your life? And I would also say hindered, because I think sometimes people with that kind of, um, and I'll use the word you you used, frequency, um, it can sometimes be hard. I would say you're right. It is a blessing and a curse. Um, It affects everything I do. I mean, I'm very light sensitive. I have very heightened senses all the way around. And I would say it probably drove my parents a little bit crazy. Um, But I think doing the work I do, the design strategy that I, that I set for companies, I, I do, I, I get paid to notice every single detail and to make sure that every every aspect of an ethos, whether it is digital or it's a live event is attended to. And I can predict every response. And I do think that this isn't, it's integral to what I do for a living. And, um, I, I do think it's borderline OCD, perhaps, you know, noise. I'm very sensitive to noise. I want to make sure the mm-hmm. right music is always playing in the set, the right tone for any, um, environment that I create or that I'm a part of. 
But, you know, design is in the details, right? Yes, it is. It is. But I think sometimes um, people like that, it leads a little bit to overthinking. Do you find that you that you do, you know, that you're overthinking or do you find that it really has led to your success? I think it's uh, one of the top three reasons why I've been a success. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's um, and it's not something everybody that's a gift. I don't think that everybody has. Um, and it often is about caring, you know, really caring about projects and, and the work that you're doing. I do think it has, you know, I do believe I'm an empath in many ways, and I do like to take care of people's experiences. You know, I really want to make sure that people have an amazing time at my house, whether it's a dinner party or, you know, a small conversation. I really do think about what makes um, people feel comfortable and engaged. Let me ask you this, DB, as an empath, how has, you know, what's been going on in the world today affected you? How do you um, not allow it to, to I'll say, you know, consume you emotionally? Well, very often it, it can. And um, especially this past year has been pretty... Um, you know, confusing in many ways, but, um, I feel now that I have enough outlets to really balance out my attention and my, um, actions to sort of counter those things, you know, Mm -hmm. doing what I can. Right. I, you know, I'm sure there's some listeners, you know, that, that struggle with the same thing. And, um, it's always interesting to hear how other people kind of cope with that. You know, one of one of my questions for you was about what do you have a go to mantra for stressful situations? You know, I I do now. I, I was definitely I think people would describe me as a worrier. You know, I always used to worry about everything and truly worry. Um, and now I it's very rare that I worry. And I will say it is because of a mantra that I learned from my very wise sensei. I have a sensei. She teaches me um Ikebana, which is the Japanese art of flower arranging. And she happens to live down the street. She's 88. Really oh, my adopted wow. California. She's my adopted California mom. You know, That's my family's so nice. in Tennessee. Yeah. So she always says, this too shall pass. And, you know, I used to get a little annoyed, you know, when I would be telling her things. And she was just so calm. And she's always right. And mm. it will pass. That's right. And, and I do remind myself of that. Yeah. That was absolutely the thing my father said to me growing up over and Aww. over and over again. And it is, it's true. It is 100% true. Um, prior to Munchkin, you worked in a creative role for uh, a major record label in Nashville. And um, I wanted to ask you what you loved most about working in music. And did you meet someone, you know, that comes to mind that impressed you the most during those years? Well, I started my career in music in Nashville at a major label and then went back to another major label in L.A. After that, you know, I've kind of had a jungle gem in my career. So back and forth between agencies and in-house positions doing what I do now. But I definitely started at a label in Nashville. So I would say both experiences were very similar. Um, One was at the beginning of my career and one was at the midpoint, you know, and things had changed quite a bit in the music industry, the golden years of the music industry from one of those positions to the next. But the common theme really was creativity and, um, 
I loved working with some of the most creative people in the world, you know, and helping them build their public story. You know, um, songs are, to me, the epitome of storytelling. Great songs always tell a great story. So, um, yeah, I've worked from, I worked with some very interesting people. You know, probably one of my favorites was Aretha Franklin. She was a tr- wow. true, true lady, very, very interesting person. And then maybe Dave Mustaine from Megadeth, two totally different types of music and very smart, interesting people. Wow. Aretha Franklin, that's a big, big name. Can you tell me a little personal anecdote, something we might not know about her that, that you admired? Um, well, Aretha took control in a very graceful way. You know, um, you really had to understand her nuances. One of my, I think one of my most challenging stories and interesting stories with her was when we were shooting her, she had to have. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply have the entire environment. She was also another person that was very, very uh, determined to make sure that her environment was conducive to to her performance. So everything had to be extremely warm. So you had to turn Mm. off the entire floor of a hotel, the air conditioning, and turn on the heater for her. Wow. To to even be in the room because she felt like that was her, that was the temperature that really uh tapped into her creative flow wow. you know it was very yeah. interesting and hard sometimes oh i bet i bet yeah but that probably relaxed her i would you know there's nothing worse than being cold you know um be, being warm is is just a relaxing uh place to be we're going to go into our next break and i will be back with db barnes chief brand officer and creative director for munchkin and when we come back we're going to talk about your your goals and missions behind the company stay with us for our watch team now the women to watch military watch hi i'm carol eggert senior vice president of military affairs at comcast nbc universal Lieutenant Colonel Sean Casey, who is with us on the MVA team and is also a serving reservist, recently shared a story with our teammates about Christmas time in Iraq when he was far from friends and family, and it warmed our hearts, so I will share it with you. Sean said, 
We called him Colonel Claus. He was a member of our unit, and he donned the red and white cap of Santa Claus, along with the standard-issued boots and camo uniform, and jogged throughout our military base in Iraq, chucking mini candy canes in everyone's direction and spouting holiday cheer. Seeing a senior officer exchange their typical sternness for silliness gave us all a moment to escape the perpetual tension that we have to learn to deal with in a combat zone. Now, for nearly two years, all of us have dealt with the heightened anxiety and disruptions to our lives as we continue to adapt to this new normal. Though there's more work to be done, the holidays still offer us a respite from it all. So I hope you all have a Colonel Claus-like person, an activity or a tradition that brings you joy and puts you in a festive spirit. As we celebrate this wonderful time of year, many of us in the military community are thinking of our time that we were far from home and also about our brothers and sisters who cannot spend the holidays with their loved ones. We are all grateful for the sacrifices of our service members and our military families. So from all of us at Comcast NBC Universal, we wish you a happy and safe holiday season. Hi, Sue Rocco here from Women to Watch. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to our listeners and wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and joyful New Year. May you be blessed with the gift of family, friends, and good fortune in 2022. Happy Holidays from all of us at Women to Watch. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking with D.B. Barnes, the Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director at Munchkin. And D.B., I know, you know, you have some lofty goals and uh, the mission behind your work at Munchkin is really to create the most beloved baby lifestyle brand in the world. And you've been there for seven years. Um, I guess I, I wanted to ask, what does it take to do that? Um, and how close are you to achieving that? Well, here's the interesting part of this. Um, we will never achieve it. Um, new moms are in and out of our space constantly. And so, um, you know, unlike uh, a shampoo product or laundry soap that you might have a consumer in forever and, and be their go-to brand, um, new moms are in and out. You know, we kind of start from an embryonic phase um, through they kind of age out of our baby products until they're six. And so we're constantly in a race, you know, for perpetuity, right? Um, I think how we have at least a good indication of how we're presently achieving it is through our, we have over a million five-star reviews. So I do think that gives a nod that we're currently achieving this. Mm. You know, we read every one of those reviews and we do have more five-star reviews than any other baby brand in the world. So, and we keep track. Yeah. That's impressive. Tell me, um, tell me what you're doing at Munchkin to help elevate women and support more diversity. Well, that is has been a primary focus of of mine and other female leaders in the company for sure. Um, recently, I initiated our first ERG, you know, which is specifically designed, you know, to extend um, our our female leadership to uh, our global 
uh, female um, employees. We have, you know, companies all over the world or our offices all over the world. So, um, so it's called, our group is uh, aptly named E3 League, which really stands for Embrace, Empower, and Enjoy. And so we have uh, arranged at least once a quarter, we have uh, executives come in um, or uh, key speakers come in and we um, have this live all over, uh, all over the world to our offices in Hong Kong, the UK, Canada. Um, so it is something that we do together and um, we share stories together. We have activities that we do together. Um, we have training and growth programs. And so this is something that we started last year and we're very excited about it. It has made a big difference. You know, some of our listeners might not be familiar with the term ERG. So ERG stands for Employee Resource Group. So it is an employee-initiated um, group. You know, it is for the for the people, by the people, so to speak. And can, do you know, um, can you share with us what percentage of the company is women? It's almost 60%. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is. That- that's better great. to run a, a, a baby company than women, right? Correct. <laughs> the ones who are having the babies. That's right. <laughs> DB, can you tell me what initiatives um, you've brought forth around sustainability? Well, I'm very, very excited to tell you that um, I initiated and led the effort for Munchkin to be admitted into the United Nations Global Compact, UNGC. It's the world's largest corporate sustainability initiative. Um, we've now aligned Munchkin's operations and strategies with the UNGC's 10 principles, um, specifically in the areas of human rights and labor, environment, and anti-corruption. We were already aligned to all of these, um, so it wasn't um, a huge leap. However, we now are leading the charge and publishing our first, we've just published our first sustainability report, and it highlights the ongoing work we are committed to doing to reduce you know, our environmental footprint. And we really are holding ourselves accountable to these goals, to our consumers, to the UNGC, and to ourselves. So our sustainability report is on our website. It's the first of its kind. It's the only one in our industry that we're aware of. That's terrific. I would imagine, you know, having this kind of additional um, part of the company to focus on keeps things exciting. You know, companies, this is not something companies paid as much attention to in years past. And I would imagine that um, having to learn and research about environmental issues um, would be enjoyable for, you know, in the work that you're doing. It's very, very interesting work. And, you know, I'm happy to say that we've been doing this at Munchkin since basically since I walked in the door since 2014. You know, we started with the... Well, we started with Project Orca, which is really around sustainability for animals, but it's quickly led into 2015, um, our relationship with Trees for the Future. So we've currently planted over 2 million trees, which, and our goal is 3 million by the end of next year. Wow. Through treesforthefuture.org. It's, it's an amazing organization, and we're one of their primary sponsors. That's awesome. We're going to go into our last break, and uh, we will be back with D.B. Barnes, Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director at Munchkin. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about more about leadership. Stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back. Women to watch. Sports watch. 
Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Jen Welter, and you are listening to Sports Watch. You know, it's interesting every time I hear uh, the phrase trailblazer and people, you know, edify you with it and say it with reverence, and there is a, a visible and visceral feeling and imagery that I get when it comes up. And it's literally that the trailblazer means you're the one taking all the branches to the face, right? Those unattractive branches swing back and smack you not so gently at times in the face and they wake you up and you go, Oh, well that, that was a big branch or that was uncomfortable. And, you know, let me, let me take this ax and, and cut it out of the way so that the next person will have a cleaner path. And, that's what trailblazer means. It means facing the unexpected, taking branches to the face and continuing to push forward so that the second will have an easier journey, so that the third will have a path to follow, so that you get to a place and a space where you have a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and at some point you're you're no longer talking about first because there are strengths in numbers. So the challenge is when you are the first, that also means you are inherently the only. And it means that the entire narrative surrounding something rests squarely on your shoulders. When you are that woman or that person, right, who is a sample set of one, you're setting a standard for what is possible for all other women. Follow me and all my adventures, or you could say misadventures, on Welter47 on Instagram or at jwelter47 on Twitter. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening in. I'm, I'm with D.B. Barnes, the Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director of Munchkin, which if you're moms, you probably know uh, this baby brand company. Um, D.B., I know that one of the you know most important things to you in your when your you know creative juices are flowing and, and you're working on the brand is to ask the why question, um, which I think is is it's always the best question. So how has that um, supported your success along the way? Because I think it, you know, it started when you were a little girl in Catholic school and you had the uh, chutzpah to say why over and over. And how does that, (laughs) how does that help with your role as, um, you know, an executive at a global company? Well, why is the red thread through my life, I would say, you know, without understanding the why of any initiative or belief system, you know, that I'm asked to be a part of or or follow in the case of Catholicism, um, or even more importantly, shape if I'm if I'm working with a brand, you know, if I'm asked to to work on this, it, it really, you know, if it doesn't make sense to me, you know, I probably won't be very good at it. So I really have to understand the why the questions and the answers are really the bricks for me in building a framework for how I manage the process. You know, companies hire me to give a heartbeat to their brand. That's really the core of what I do. It's the why I do what I do. Um, so it's this lifetime of why conversations that's really led me to knowing how to construct an honest conversation and a dialogue that we have at Munchkin with our consumers. You know, basically, I'm hired to create the connective tissue between our consumers, and that also includes our retailers, you know, to our brand. Mm. 
Mm. So I find the heartbeat, you know, it's a defining factor in our success. Yeah. So that's, that's the core of my job. And if I didn't understand what the motivation it is, and it can't be money because that's not a, a key motivator for, for anyone and for any consumer. Correct. You know? Yeah. The money will come, right? When the, when money the work comes. is, yeah, the money comes. Right. Can I, can I ask you DB what, you know, when you look back over your life today, <clears throat> you know, your, your awards and accolades are visible to most people. What are you most proud of personally? you know, as a woman, as a leader? Well, I would say there's, there's two, two pieces of that. Um, the first piece I think is that I finally did reach a nirvana, you know, in my career, I found the, you know, I think a lot of us have a Goldilocks sort of jungle gym approach to our careers. And, um, I, I found my spot, my sweet spot. And that's really, you know, it was from a confluence of everything, you know, in my journey along the way. So, being able to work on, um, CSR efforts as an integral part of my job to me is something I'm immensely proud of. And I'm very proud to be in a company that supports that. Um, and the second part is probably more personal, you know, midway twice of three times through my career, I've, I've walked away or walked out of the job that I was already, you know, fairly successful at to go back to school. And I did that once to go to Art Center for Design mm-hmm. degree and then twice for Harvard Business School. And that was challenging. You know, those were very personal challenges for me. They were hard and they helped my design and business acumen in so many ways that I couldn't I couldn't even begin to cover in this in this show. Yeah. Yeah. I understand you're gonna be teaching a master's program um next fall. And you know, just taking one more thing, putting it on your plate. Right. Do you do you ever worry that you're taking on too much, or are you uh, happiest when you're busy? Yes, and yes, okay. I would say <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, both. Um, to me, teaching is just um, it's a part. It, it's an integral part of being a good leader. You know, you have to listen and learn from students. You know, it, it really helps me. I, I want to share um, another quote that I, that I love so much when I read. Um, you've said that engaging with nuns and rock stars has well prepared you for your work with CEOs. Tell That's... me how. Yeah. <laughs> how, in what way? Yes. Uh, well, um, and, you know, it certainly gave me a roadmap um, of sorts to how to navigate very high expectations, you know, and how to quickly discern which are unattainable. Um, and which are critical to the success of the business, you know, everything that ranges from rigidity and dogma, you know, to the most outrageous and very creative ass, you know, that are sometimes maybe influenced on personal preference or ego or, you know, to me, it was such, it was such an amazing roadmap, you know, CEOs are, are very interesting people just like rock stars, you know, so for me, it was, it was really interesting how the the commonalities of some of these people. Um, This is one of my favorite questions. If you could wave a magic wand and immediately change one thing in the world, what would it be? Oh, there's, uh, that's easy. Uh, Abuse, abuse of animals or people and or people for sure. And why is that? Why is that important to you? I'm asking you the why. Why is, yeah. Wow, that's a good one. And I didn't see that one coming. Um, I feel like, you know, kindness and empathy for anything that takes a breath is part of what we're here to be 
demonstrating, you know. And, you know, I think it must be very fulfilling then to be able to be contributing um, specifically around the the animals and, and what you're able to do as a company. I absolutely um, agree with you 100%. You know, to be... In- to teach children empathy and passion, compassion for animals is the first step in how we treat each other as humans. Yeah. Um, we, we just have a moment left. Tell me what you think um, is one of the most important things we can do and should do to elevate more women into leadership roles. Well, I believe that you need to do um, very small gestures, and that can be as you know, if you have the capability to do grand ones, uh, that like in my position, certainly you can. But to me, it begins with noticing what women are doing in the room together. You know, if somebody has uh, given a great insight, call that out, call attention to that and say, that's an amazing viewpoint. Or maybe if you don't have the opportunity to do that in the room when it's going on the meeting, no matter how small or large, you take that person outside and go, hey, I saw what you did in there. You know, that was, that was bold. That was courageous. You know, I love, yeah, I, you know what, DB, I love that. And it's a great way to end the show because I think, um, you know, one of the, the biggest barriers is women's own belief in themselves and confidence. And when another woman, you know, kind of validates, um, what they're doing or acknowledges, I should say, I think that goes a long way. It does. Yeah. Um, Listen, I appreciate so much you're taking the time out of your busy day to be with us. And I'm so looking forward to um, our continued working relationship. Me too, Sue. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for a very special show when we share 2021's Best Of with clips from some of my favorite interviews over the past year. Happy New Year, everyone, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.